Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 24 of Dead Man's Chest. What do you have to say about that? You're welcome. <laughs> That's it, huh? Guess we're just going right into it then. I didn't think you wanted me to start things off before you actually... I don't think you know what to do, actually. Did the preview in the... I have to do the recap and the setup for the current minute. Yeah. Okay. So what do you want me to say? Thank you is enough. I need all the thanks I can get. In the previous minute, well, let's just say it's rather uneventful. Will comes ashore, yells for Jack aboard a beached and listing Black Pearl. Jack, he says... I have a message for you straight from the hand of Giselle and Scarlet. Getting the typical cold shoulder as someone who's obviously been marked for disrespect from the fine, upstanding ladies of the Tortuga Knights, Will begins to venture into the jungle, the mighty jungle, where Cotton's parrot says, don't eat me. In the jungle, jungle. the quiet jungle, Will finds Gibbs Flask. What, were you expecting a song? Yeah, I knew you were expecting a song there. The lion sleeps tonight. There's no singing. I'm in charge of the singing. The mighty jungle. Are you done yet? Because yeah. I don't want to harm the listeners. It is harming them because we listen to it's that guy who sang it on on um, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. What's that guy's name? What do you mean? What was that guy's name? That guy. Don't recall. And I'm just gonna let you stew on <laughs> no, that. No, don't do that. Why? Because he's a bald guy. He wasn't always bald. He's bald now. What's his name? You know I'm bad with main names. We didn't start the fire. Piano man. Any of these ring a bell? Billy Joel? Billy Joel. She gets it. Minute 24 begins with Will finding... And by the way, you guys didn't notice it, but we actually sat here for 20 minutes before she finally got it. <laughs> it I just shortened 20. the dead air. I just shortened no. the dead air. Oh, it was 20 minutes. No. Minute 24 begins with Will finding a piece of twine attached to Gibbs' flask. Removing the string, Will curiously begins to follow the twine that's looped around branches and foliage as it leading to something. The minute ends with Will's sword falling to the ground. We cut to an aerial shot above the island, a mountainous topography with low cloud cover. Concealed yet perched on an open space on the island's mountain ridge is a village nestled amongst the trees and rocks. Two bridges connect the village to the other ridges, and smoke from a fire can be seen rising from the native community. Question for you. No, we have to tell people first so they don't think you're just an idiot thinking that Billy Joel actually sang in the jungle. He sang it on the Jimmy Fallon show. They were doing a loop looper i think it was on the ipad where they could record a bunch of different voices in different tones as they were singing it different keys 
and then they play it back and actually sing the song, and then it plays all of it. So if it's pretty and, cool if you haven't seen it. Billy Joel, Jimmy Fallon, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Check it out on YouTube. And then you see how talented Billy Joel yeah, really you go, is. That's why he makes the big bucks <laughs> for singing. Yeah. I mean, I can carry a tune, but that guy can really God. carry a tune. It's awesome. Yeah, he's really good. But I think people know that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's Billy freaking Yeah, Joel. but you know that you have all these musicians out there. Some of them aren't what you actually think they are. Auto-tuned. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, he's not auto-tuned. Not, but not, this is Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. What are you talking about? You're getting off on Billy Joel. That's all of a sudden, this is That's because I, I was just amazed the first time I seen that. And yeah. Okay. I got it. I was amazed I w- too. I've seen the video like a thousand times. <laughs> I have a question for you. Thanks for announcing it. How many times did this guy scare you when he jumped out of the bushes? I jumped at least three times. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> It's pretty incredible there. I mean, you see it once, you know it's there, then you can clearly see him. Yeah. But at first, and actually I've seen this movie a lot, and I still forgot when it came to this minute, I was like, oh, this isn't the part yet. No! I, I watched it. A couple days later, I watched it again and jumped again. I don't know. Well... I don't know what to say about that. Well, whatever. I don't know if anybody can say anything about that. We'll just let it go. But I'm glad that Terry and Ted didn't make Will the complete buffoon. Someone who would actually tug on a tripwire rope. Yeah. It's a trap. Clearly a string leading somewhere in this kind of situation is a trap. We've seen it a thousand times. However, it was nice that the writers didn't actually have Will pull on it. But he was just inspecting it, so that's he was good. Investigating. He was investigating, seeing where it leads, but he was being gentle with it. So it's not like he just chewbacca it and pulled it really hard. Well, he's got to be suspicious. All his friends disappeared, except for Cotton's parrot, who's saying, don't eat me. It, well, Will's only thinking of one thing right now. God, I Elizabeth? wish I could get some delicious long pork. God. And he doesn't know what it is yet. He's just like, I'm really hungry. <laughs> he goes, I wonder what they served me on that vessel. Long pork possible think about that they probably didn't give him anything to eat possibly i doubt it but the scary native jumps out and causes will to be ensnared so that was the the trick of it one more thing back on the long pork it sounded like the guy hadn't had long pork in a while Mmm, delicious long pork that's true it's almost for special occasions yeah happy holidays folks so they didn't have any on the ship to or the boat whatever he doesn't want to share his delicious long pork with just anybody that pops on board I would be grateful for that. Again, you can tune in Tuesdays at the table at the Donner Party. That's our food podcast. But we're all expecting Will to trigger this trap himself. And that's why the hidden native works so well. Yeah. Because we it's the trope in the movies. You see the snare, some idiot pulls it, and then done. But Will, thank God he's not the idiot here. Well, he comes to the end of the line. He's all, well, that was uneventful. Yeah, it catches everybody surprised. Or catches everybody out of surprise. Ah! Catches everybody by surprise. Is that the phrase? I mean, what the hell is that? I can't even remember a simple phrase now. Well, out of surprise, out of hey, by I don't surprise. know what's going on here. All I know is that, well, well, I was thinking a delicious long pork. <laughs> but he does catch everyone by surprise. So Very good. That's the main takeaways. They didn't have me, Will, the idiot here. But we expect Will to, well... You know, if Will were to trap himself, that's the thing here. He gets trapped, or if he trapped himself, then the idea is, oh, okay, somebody's going to come along and get him later, right? Yeah. He'd be hanging there. Yeah. But no, these crazy cannibals are right there. I mean, you got to imagine if 
when I'm looking at this and I see the scene, I'm thinking, oh, he's just going to trigger this. He's going to be hanging in the jungle for a while. Then we get the guy that jumps out. It's the first kind of spooky scare. Yeah. And then we have a whole lot of them crowd of, I don't know. Maybe we need to consult that book. It's like a murder of crows and a unkindness of ravens. It's a group of cannibals called a whole lot, a whole lot of cannibals. Eh, No, it's pretty poor. It's a poor show. Horde. (laughs) Horde. Horde works well, like zombies, so that'll work. But I thought it was good, Horde though. of carnivores. No, they're cannibals. Oh, cannibals. There's a lot of carnivores out there. That's just... Okay, you've gone off the deep end. Cut back on the grog over there, for God's sakes. Arr, grog. The scene did remind me of a couple of movies. I don't know if it reminded you of anything. Well, the blankness up there. I mean, that can hinder you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to apologize to the listeners for berating Heather just now. Berating, belittling. So it was kind of like an apology, but not really. I said I should, but I didn't really make the apology. But the first movie that it reminded me of was Rambo. First Blood uh, Part 2. Yeah, no, I think not that's me. it, right? Rambo, I don't know. First Blood Part 2. I don't like Rambo. I think that's the one where he's in Vietnam or whatever. Rambo hides in the mud and catches an enemy soldier off guard. Right from the wall there. Like a mud wall. Just like this happened Is here. He decorated in mud? Yeah. Oh, Rambo okay. hid himself. Just, have you seen this show? What, Rambo? No, Dead Man's Chest. Yeah. He's hiding in the mud. He opens his yeah, eyes, but this, right? This native isn't uh, in the mud. He's kind of in the mud. He's in the weeds. Nah, he's in the weeds. Kind of in the mud, though. No. Another instance of this is Predator. It reminds me of Schwarzenegger does a similar thing using mud to conceal himself, though. I'm on the mud kick, though. Got anything with plants? Plants. Let me see. Uh, the mud just works so well because he was in such a dark area. And then he opened his eyes and boom, he was right there. That's why I'm just thinking of the mud. Sorry. Oh, but I do have this reference. When nature so. calls, don't the natives jump out at him when they dart him? Uh, I don't think so. They weren't hidden? Are I don't you remember. Sure? I don't remember now. Ace Ventura Minute, coming to a podcast near you. That reminds me, the dark, the dark guy here? Yeah? I think he was on, in that movie. He was not, I couldn't was find he? him, though. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't. You think that just any, so you're stereotyping blow dart. No, he looks like him. Really? You have the kind of memory that we've just established two seconds ago that can remember an extra decked out in native garb and paint in an Ace Ventura movie. Really? You know your tangents? I went on a tangent with this guy. uh, And I so tried to find his name. (laughs) Something. Well, I have names, so. Of the blow dart guy? Yeah. Do you really? No, not the blow dart guy. Yeah, I can find him anywhere. Okay, can we get back on track here? This is going off off kilter here all of a sudden. How you just jumped into this. The other reference, because you didn't let me finish my movie references, is that I got was the classic Raiders of the Lost Ark scene. It may have actually inspired or used as a reference for Ted and Terry to include it here. Not just making things up here. That's what I'm saying. Will is trying to fight off the natives while being suspended from the tree, and they approach with spears at first. Then they settle back, look at each other like, don't bring a sword to a blow dart fight kind of deal. And then they knock him unconscious while at a safe distance. It's Indiana Jones right here. When the sword guy is doing all the fancy sword work, Indiana Jones kind of shrugs it off, pulls out his pistol, and blasts the guy. Hmm. Same thing. Yes. Oh, I think you're a little sad that we're not continuing on blow dart guy, the actual guy's name. No, I'm not. I don't think he had a name. I just don't know your reference. Ah! You. That's all. You don't know that Indiana Jones reference? Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's like the epitome of all Indiana Jones references right there. Yeah, I don't know. Can't picture it in my head. Well, we have to watch Indiana Jones after this, for God's sakes. 
<laughs> wow. And for those of you who also don't know about Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones Minute. They'll be back at some point for another season. The Pelagosto, since Heather wants to talk about the cannibal natives here, was dominated by a tropical rainforest that spanned much of the landmass. The remainder was taken up by deep ravines, mountain ranges, and beaches. The native Pelagosto tribe, as Heather would like to say, a cannibal people, used body paint and fearsome masks to blend into the jungle environment in order to catch prey or the few unwanted visitors that the island received. You think they'd want visitors? They kind of do, but they don't. They're like, uh, let's keep everybody out of here. And then those that do, they're thankful Dinner? for the long pork. Yeah. That's why they get all excited. The tribe built their village high up on one of the flat tops of a mountain peak and was connected by rope bridges strung over ravines and stuff. We all see that. The village huts were woven from plant fibers and despite their fragile appearance, provided shelter from fierce tropical storms. But stepping outside of the movie, here, here's where we can go get off that small description that's available about Pelagosto. Let's talk reality, okay? Let's do some reality here. In the early colonial period, the Caribs, 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 whatever they are, had a reputation as warriors who raided neighboring islands. It was claimed that they practiced cannibalism. I brought you some of this stuff before. According to the Spanish conquistadors, the Carib Indians were cannibals who regularly ate roasted human flesh. And I know you said mm. that they didn't. What? I know you said that there was some stuff that kind of refuted that. On this island. Yeah. Archaeological evidence indicates that they limited the consumption of humans to ceremonial occasions, just in special ceremonies. Well, so there, there you, you go. go. They didn't eat it on a regular basis. Yeah, it's okay then. The real ones. Not the Pelagosto tribe here, but we're talking about the real cannibal Caribs. So you heard it here first. Limit your cannibalism to holidays and special ceremonies, people. There you go. Then it makes it okay. The archaeologists say, hey, and the anthropologists, no, they weren't true cannibals. They just ate it on special occasions and for ceremonies. That makes it okay. So you guys have the go-ahead. Pirates of the Caribbean does not endorse cannibalism. Not one No, bit. we don't. Around 130 members of the Kalaningo Nation, the Caribs, the original inhabitants of many of the Caribbean islands, you know them, right? Yeah. Were used as extras in the Pelagosto scene. That's why this guy doesn't have a name that you're talking about. Could he have been in Nature Calls? <laughs> Jesus. This is a whole different thing. And I, and I hate to do this to you, but no, all natives aren't the same. Arr! All indigenous <laughs> people aren't the same. I know that. But this guy. You're talking South America. You're talking, say, South America, the Caribbean, Central America, all that. Now we're going to go to African nations. I get that. There's different but ethnicities going on I here know, for your natives. But look at his eyes. The crazy look he gets in his eyes when he blows the start at Jack Sparrow. Or, I'm sorry, Will Turner. Okay? The crazy look he gets in his eyes. The guy who's one of the guys on When Nature Calls gets that crazy look in his eyes. It just reminds me of him. That's all. Uh, reminding is different than trying to make the claim that, yes, it's the same I, guy. I looked for it to Considering see if it was the same guy. it's Africa and the Caribbean. Doesn't matter. Maybe they use the same guy. Maybe he goes around, travels around to go get... That, I guess, could be true. Plays in eight different movies. <laughs> I think he got some, he'd have some information on him, though. We don't discriminate, so all natives are welcome. And so then they, they just cast all kinds of natives... It's weird. This this tribe here has like Indios from Brazil. There's Aborigines. You got Native Americans. It's just really a hodgepodge crew here. That's why he probably saw really. It. 
Yeah. Is this how we're going to play? That's it. I knew it was going to be a feisty Friday. Yeah. Italian explorer Giovanni Verrazzano was killed and said to have been eaten by Carib natives on what is now Guadalupe, the French West Indies, in 1528. During this third voyage to North America, after exploring Florida, the Bahamas, and the Lesser Antilles. So he met his demise like that, supposedly. Historian William Rivieri has described most of the cannibalism as related to war rituals. Again, backing up the claim, it was a war ritual, kind of a ceremonial thing that we talked about. Walt Disney Pictures has been questioned, actually, by the National Garifuna Council, a representative body of the Garifuna people, for what they feel is a racist portrayal of the Kalingo, or Caribs, as cannibals in Dead Man's Chest. Yeah. Did you have that? I... I read, I didn't write it down. I didn't take notes on it, but I did read something about that and I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't write anything down. Oh. And well, so I was, yeah. The council called for what they considered to be a fair and accurate representation and Disney responded that the script cannot be altered. No changes, or at least no known changes, were made to the film regardless of the council's concern. And I can understand that they're trying to not be misrepresented. But this is an entirely kind of fake group here, the Peligostos. Right. And it serves as the plot of the film. And it, I mean, we're bringing some like real accounts to it or supposed historical accounts of some of this in archaeological evidence. But it's not like I think we, okay, maybe some of you out there think that all the native Caribs are actually cannibals or had been. You know, it's the same thing with like African tribes. You don't think all all of them are cannibals just because we saw... Ace Ventura when nature calls. <laughs> I mean, besides Heather. Whatever. But I think sometimes that goes a little too far. They try to make sure that their reputation is not going to be hurt when people know that this is a movie and it's tongue-in-cheek. It doesn't necessarily identify exactly what island this is or if there really was or if this was just a single instance. So I think that there's some... I think Disney was right on this part not to go back and try and change that. It would have just disrupted the entire script. Yeah. Plus, then we wouldn't have been able to talk about Longport. Like you said, they weren't talking about real people. Yeah, it's not like they identified the Garifuna people and said, hey, you guys were like this. No, they they left it as unmentioned and the name actually came up in the expanded universe and beyond. So so that's what I have to say. Is it? Yeah. In this minute, Will gets hit with a dart from a blowgun, which Heather has been really adamant about, is also one of our dear African natives from (laughs) When Nature Calls, Ace Ventura. Which causes uh, Will to pass out. The Car- the Caribs, you know, man, I just don't like the Caribs. I can't say it. You know, every time I come across the Caribs, maybe that's it. Caribs. The Caribbean used poison made from the sap of the Manchineal tree or sandbox tree. Both members of the Spurge family, in case you wanted to know that. Why, for all of you. our tree-loving arbor friends out there. Remember the arbor day. A real-life account during the Kalaningo genocide of... 1626. Everybody remember the uh, Kalingo genocide of 1626? Yep. Oh, that's good. The Carib chief Tegramon became uneasy with the increasing number of English and French settlers occupying St. Kitts. Hey, isn't this the story heard around the world? Everybody's just a little bit tired of the settlers coming in. Come on, white guys. You know? <laughs> Didn't you see nobody wanted you settling there? You're just disrupting everything. And I say this as a white guy. This led to more confrontations. Surprising. I wonder if there's other stories about white people coming in and disrupting <laughs> native things. And yeah, hmm. huh, it's interesting. Could be the only Not case so here. so sure. 
Anyways, it compelled the chief to plot the settlers' elimination with the aid of other island Caribs. They wanted to get rid of these guys. A lot of foresight on his part, actually. He was thinking, thinking ahead. However, his scheme was betrayed by an Indian woman called Barbie, or Barb, Barbe, however you want to say it. <laughs> you know, what's with you women? Always foiling the plans like that? Well, Taking action. Maybe, huh? maybe she found a handsome, handsome guy whitey, in the group. Handsome settler, handsome English guy. So taking action, the English and French settlers invited the Caribs to a party. Now that sounds familiar. Yeah, this does sound familiar. <laughs> what is this? The, the trick in the settler's handbook? Hey. Hey, just invite him uh, to a party. Invite him to a party. Oh, give him some blankets. You know, not that we're making light of the tragedies of Native Americans and stuff like that. No, send we're all not. your hate mail to Heather. Yeah, now Scott's I feel a little fault. bit about about that. Damn Scott's it. fault. Anyways. God, now we're going to now I have to go to another stereotype. You know, come on, you guys. The English, the French, the settlers, they had one playbook. Okay, invite the Caribs to a party. Where? They got them intoxicated. Come on! Do we have to deal in these stereotypes? Damn it, history. Sometimes stereotypes are based in history. But damn it. Intoxicated and parties? The natives? Come on. Right from the handbook of Settling 101. When the Caribs returned to their village, 120 were killed in their sleep, including Chief Tegramond. Here's where it gets interesting. The following day, the remaining 2,000 to 4,000 Caribs, Caribs were forced into the area of a bloody point and bloody river where over 2,000 were massacred. Though 100 settlers were also killed. Oh, that evens it out. One Frenchman went mad after being struck by, and this is where we tie back to our minute here. I'm not just taking us on. I was a, wondering. Not was just like, taking us on an indigenous death journey here. Yeah, I know it seems it's like that. Dark and ugly. Hey, it's the movie Dead Man's Chest. Like I was saying, one Frenchman went mad after being struck by a Montagnel poisoned arrow. That sandbox tree. Okay. Yeah. So he actually got poison darted with one. The remaining Caribs fled, but by 1640, those not already enslaved were removed to Dominica, which is where we are here. Right. All parts of the tree contain strong toxins. Not the Caribs, but the actual tree. Its milky white sap contains ball and other skin irritants producing strong allergic dermatitis. Now get this. This is the crazy part here. This is where you're going to just get your mind blown. And the audience is going, what the hell are we? Listening to history and Native Americans being killed and massacred? Well, you were, but now this is different. <laughs> this is about the death tree. The death tree? It's not called or... that. I just called it that. Oh, okay. It's like a napalm tree. Whatever you want to call it. It's an ugly tree. Not ugly as in... Okay, just listen. Get this. Okay, let's, let's move on. Standing beneath the tree during the rain will cause blistering of the skin from mere contact with its liquid. Even a small drop of rain with the milky substance in it will cause the skin to blister. That's right. Your face says it all. And, by the way, doesn't come across on the air. So you trick all the invaders... To go, stand. to go stand under this tree during a rainstorm. Yeah, and that's why there's a song that was coined that white people sing, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree. <laughs> because <laughs> that was to remind them, don't fall for the Caribs trick of sitting under the sandbox tree. You know, that's the, the words were changed over time, yeah. but it's don't sit under the sandbox tree. <laughs> that's what happened. The sap has also been known to damage the paint on cars. Jeez. Burning the tree may cause ocular injuries if the smoke reaches your eyes. Contact with its milky sap produces bolus dermatitis, acute keratoconjunctivitis, and possibly large corneal epithelial defects. There you go. You heard it here first. 
straight out of medical journals. What in the Aztec gods, though, is this mother of all the trees here? Yeah. Right? It's trees from the Dark Ages, from Middle Earth or something, something. like that. Something. Jeez. It's a brutal tree. And I didn't even mention the fruit, which is no surprise if it's possibly fatal if eaten. Here you go. Here's a quote. Ingestion may produce severe gastroenteritis with bleeding, shock, bacterial superinfection, and the potential for airway compromise due to edema. There you go. I would have been more shocked if you told me the fruit was edible. Oh, that would have been shocking. Yeah. Symptoms continue to worsen until the patient can barely swallow solid food because of the excruciating pain and the feeling of a huge obstructing pharyngeal lump. Wow. I think so we just found the title to our episode, Pharyngeal Lump. <laughs> you make the invaders eat the fruit. There you go. You serve them up some fruit at the picnic. Yep. So when you're invited to the party, you bring some of that yeah. nice fruit juice with you. Yep. In some parts of its range, many trees carry a warning sign. So they actually go out there and have to mark the trees. While others are marked with a red X on the trunk to indicate danger. In the French Antilles, the trees are often marked with a painted red band a few feet above ground. So there's people whose actual job is to go out and mark Make these sure trees. Make sure that these trees are there. Yeah, you got tourists under there. Well, what wow. in the hell just happened? This uh, acid ring. Back to our cannibal Caribbean friends, though, so we can move off the death tree. Yeah, probably a good It's idea. a brutal tree, though, huh? It is a brutal tree. You know how they found that out. They sent some poor guy over there said hey go hey billy go, go go test that out the caribs were also known to poison the water supply of their enemies with the leaves of the tree hmm. there you go spanish explorer juan ponce de leon maybe you've heard of him nope died shortly after an injury incurred in battle with the calusa in florida being struck by an arrow that had been poisoned with the sandbox tree sap wow sweet caroline that's not good no that's all i have to say about that tree as far as the poison dart, though, knocking Will unconscious, I think that's a bit more difficult to nail down, though. Because the problem, as we all know, a sedative works by suppressing your brain functions and artificially inducing a coma. That may sound pretty straightforward, but the amount of a sedative needed to render you unconscious is actually excruciatingly precise. Teeter one direction, and a sedative will, say, annoy you. Teeter the other direction, and, yeah, you're not waking up. But this happens in many movies. I know, it's the same They're thing. They're always putting, you know, it's always a dart. Knocks the person out. That makes it fun. Okay, but you can't necessarily do that then. Because, it's hard. like you said. It's hard. I mean, it all depends on how big you are, for one thing, to get the thing right. That's okay. like with dart guns, when they just come out and, you know, shoot things. Oftentimes they kind of get an idea of what the animal is. It's not like you're going to shoot a squirrel with something that was meant to bring down a bear. And okay. the squirrel's going to get out of it. The alternative to sedatives, though, is a paralytic poison, which maybe the dart had. But you basically have the same problem. Too little and your victim just gets a bit unsteady on his feet and too much. You paralyze his respiratory muscles and he suffocates to death. That's the problem with having something that knocks you out. And another call to nature calls when nature calls. That's what Ace Ventura got was the one that made him. It was a little too weak. It wasn't his size because that's why his body was, he was still able to run, but it was kind of paralyzing his... His arm movements. Why is this all of a sudden the minute of Because it kind of got... Because it, it's not. But it, it kind of links in. Okay, links Obviously, in. Obviously, the, the dart. This episode brought to you by LinkedIn. Movies. Connect with colleagues and other people. Yeah, okay, that didn't work. Moral to the tale, though, is not LinkedIn. Before any of you go out there and use a poison dart or arrow on your friends, or hey, strangers on the street, who am I to judge, make sure to get the dilution or the measurement correct. To just knock them out, right? I mean, other than that, happy darting, everybody. (laughs) What? Nothing. You have a problem with darting people? Yeah. We are able to identify a couple of our Pelagosto friends here. 
since Heather brought that up too. Anthony Patricio plays the guy with the black painted forehead. He's done a few things besides cannibalism based on IMDb's listing of his (laughs) credits. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's the guy who plays a cannibal every time. (laughs) He goes into job interviews and people are like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) God. Man, that might be the... God, if I could make that a title. <laughs> no. That'd be difficult. Jesus. It's not a Who drops word? that on somebody right here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Silence of the Lambs, another classic cannibal well, movie. Hello, Clarice. Yeah. But <laughs> you, can't, you can't top that. You came in with the first one. You, there's no way you could ever top that again. You got to do like a Jerry Seinfeld and just say, that's it, folks. I'm done here. You got to leave on the high note. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We're out of here now. We have to leave on that high note. Yeah, so he goes into the interview, he does that, and people are like, either, okay, we know what's going on here, or they go, we got to get this guy out of here. But nothing is really applicable to us here, and he is credited as Cannibal. So that's probably the highlight on his IMDb resume. We also have Michael Miranda as the Cannibal Warrior. He's the one with a yellow face and black dots running down his nose, and then the bottom half of his face is like a darker black or something like yeah. that. And like Anthony, basically not much of interest to us here in regards to Pirates of the Caribbean or other cannibalism. Well, I don't know what he does on his off You want me to do it again? No, no. You just you would overdo it if you did it again. It was great the first time. Okay. I don't even know where to go. I don't even have a transition for that. So, we, I mean, we have to at least give a mention to the cinematography. Because I'm a sucker for great landscape and aerial shots. This sequence on the island really is spectacular. Yeah. And actually, I don't know. Maybe you have information. If Is it cgi made is it a mix of cgi and real footage what is this it looked like real stuff but part of the now i'm working off remembering just so you know part of the island is because i could only bring in so many plants i mean seven thousand. yeah you know so part of the island is cgi because they couldn't you know like when they're doing the aerial shots here is that all cgi that's what i want i'm not sure i don't have that much detail. I just know that. I'd like to think was. that it was real, but I mean, I understand that maybe there's not a village way up there or something like that. That kind of stuff. Or maybe it is real and it's not our island. Well, that's possible. That's also possible. You know. Probably should have come up with more information on that. And I leave that well, to your domain. You know what? Hey, I brought all kinds of good stuff to the table. So maybe we'll, we'll I think find we're some on the, in this island next week. So okay, we'll, maybe we'll uh, do some research on it. Figure it out. The clouds, the mountains, the forest. I mean, it really does, though, whether it's real or fake, set the feel that this is one of, like, a remote tribe thing going on here. Oh, yeah. Plus, it's accompanied by some good old-fashioned inspired tribal music. I mean, with a little modern twist, but, hey, tribal music is always good. That it is. The title track is called Dinner is Served, actually. <laughs> we get Perfect the first, for these guys. Of course. We get the first part of it during our aerial view here, and it continues on. I think it's also wise to show Will's sword dropping when that, yeah. you know, filming that. I like the idea he's surrendered, but not of his own volition. He's going down fighting, you know, not really going to give up, which is characteristically Will. We see the sword fight with Jack and Curse of the Black Pearl. And basically, if he wasn't unconscious here, I expected him to say the cannibals cheated <laughs> if he got darted. Yeah. That would have been an, maybe too comedic of a choice if he got darted. You yeah, cheated. It was kind of funny with him. Swinging the yelling and swinging the sword around. 
you know, but if he actually went into saying you cheated, yeah, it'd be too much. a little over the top. I think so. He did actually improvise some of his words here. I could do this all day phrase was improvised. So they're just rolling the cameras as he's twirling and throwing out phrases. Yeah. So he kind of made up well, his own goes. stuff there. I mean, it's nice symbolism and a great, well, it's, it's, it really is a great transition as we go from Will with the sword falling and he's suspended in the tree. And it like hit the so the sword hits the ground and this boom and then all of a sudden we're in the air seeing the island and all its glory. Yeah. So I do like that. I mean we're running long and we're trying not to do too much long anymore. But so do you have a really bad eggs for this week or did you forget I to do. do that? No. So really bad eggs is the weekly segment where we highlight our favorite quote from the the week. So what do you have for us then? Don't eat me! No, don't eat me! Ah! <laughs> So yours is from Cotton. Cotton. (laughs) I don't want to be eaten. (laughs) Well, that's good advice for anybody. (laughs) At least I believe so. I just thought this was pretty cool when... uh, I think it's a good... Will gets on on land here and the parrot's telling him not to eat him. I think it's a nice tongue-in-cheek moment because Cotton's parrot speaks for Cotton and it's a nice hint of what is actually going to happen here. Poor Cotton. Well, right? It's a, yeah. it's a nice hint without being overt. If yeah. like Cotton were to come out and say, oh my God, there's cannibals here and they're going to eat me. It's a yeah. whole different story. But if his bird says it, the audience is still wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah. M- most of the audience is probably not getting the Longport reference. Right. So it's still up in the air until Will gets captured. Mine is for minute 20 when Elizabeth is talking to Will through the jail bars. She says, I have faith in you, both of you. Mm. I chose this one because I think there's so many ways it can be interpreted. We talk about it a lot during minute 20, but the idea that she is giving Will the go ahead, like she's almost building up his confidence, putting her trust in him that he will succeed and free them from the hands of Beckett and the crown's decree. You know, women do that and build up their, their man. We got to Yeah. See, so there you go. She's also telling Will not to worry as Jack will come around and answer the call for help too. I think she's saying that. Yeah. Basically, Will's efforts to acquire the compass, or at least enlist the help of Jack, I think she's kind of saying, hey, it's not going to go unanswered. You're going to succeed at this. Plus, her having faith in Jack sets up, or at least it kind of acknowledges the feelings he possesses for her. That we're alluding that's being possessed for her, right? This plays into the heart and mind turmoil of Jack. The compass is not exactly working. And events later in the film between Jack, Elizabeth, and Will, perhaps. The heck? I'm throwing it out there. We got to kind of mention this we can't go back and have a running list of things like oh did you guys miss all those clues we could have talked about so yeah i gotta throw it out there so that's it anything else on your end or is it uh weekend time let's go party donner party no oh rum party rum party rum party is good we'll be back on monday with minute 25 of dead man's chest until then scallywags it's a weekend so just keep the horn swogging squawking <laughs> horn swogging and horn swoggling and all those other things. <laughs> and you're darting. Make sure you're when you're poison yeah. darting people that you're getting those just get the just solutions don't, right. Don't 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 poison over dart over poison people. people. We don't want a rash of and no dart long poisonings pork. out there. No long pork is always a good call. So keep it to a minimum. Except the long pork. Keep that to a zero. Except on holidays and ceremonies <laughs> and things, and we heard from the archaeologists and anthropologists. That's okay. Long live the cannibals. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the quiet jungle, the lion sleeps tonight.
see tonight Near the village, the quiet village The lion sleeps tonight We, we own show and we appreciate it scallywags heather i know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze but you may have noticed actually who am i kidding the only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the faithful bride tavern anyways our procrastination has paid off yet again and season two is here and we are willfully unprepared Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. Yo ho ho, and a bottle of a rum. Yo! This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.